I stopped looking at the future and started thinking, what did I not do? Like, how was my life going? Can I die now and be okay with it? Hi, I'm Crystal Carson, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name's Steve, and this is World Gone Good, the podcast that shines the light into the darkness to prove there is still good to be had on this crazy AF planet we are all stuck on together. How can you help me, us, spread the good? It's so easy, you guys, you ladies, you gentlemen, you all, you're listening right now, so you've already accomplished step one. Good job, good job. Now for step two, subscribe right where you're listening to us now. Go ahead, subscribe. Step three, share. Share us with your friends. Spread the good around, people. Steps four and five, rate and review us where you are again right now listening. You can drop us some stars of your choice and give us a review. All these steps, one step at a time, mean we are shining the light together. And that's pretty damn good, don't you think? Okay, so today is one of those days where we are going to have one of those potentially difficult but definitely good conversations. We've gone down this road before, you and I. Remember my friend Mary and how she was verbally and physically attacked by a racist? Or my friends Janice and Addison and how we discussed dealing with unexplainable loss? Not easy chats, but definitely good ones because we found our way to the good. So on that note, as insane as this is about to sound, let's all gather around the podcast fire because it's time to talk about the good of, wait for it, cancer. Well, (laughs) okay, just like when we talked about racism and death, we aren't celebrating cancer itself here either. What we are doing or going to try to do is look at the reality of it and how we, as always, shine the light into the dark and scary of it and find some good. To do this, I've invited my friend of 29 and a half years, which is crazy because I'm only 25, to share her journey. Crystal Carson is a wife and a mother and a sister and a daughter. She's an acting coach and an actress herself. Cancer has been a part of her life since losing her father to it when she was just a very young girl. Now, Crystal and I have had more than a few adventures together. She played one of the leads in the very first play I ever wrote, directed, and produced in Los Angeles. She got me on board as a volunteer with the American Cancer Society, an organization very near and dear to her. She is the person and the place I spent a lot of time with at when, at slash when, (laughs) the Northridge earthquake hit. She starred in the last web series project I did, a project called Club 5150, which you should definitely go check out on YouTube. And most notably, she is the first friend I made in LA. We met less than 24 hours after I arrived there. And how exactly did we meet? I'm going to let her explain. So Crystal, why don't you tell everybody how we first met? Oh my gosh. (laughs) We first met at General Hospital And I had just become Julia Barrett, and we you were on an elevator, as I recall. Is this close to true? You're so good right now. I'm so impressed. (laughs) And 
I wanted to go up to the fifth floor or down. I can't remember. I want to say that I wanted that we were on the fifth floor and I wanted to go down. Perfect. And I screamed, hold the elevator. (laughs) And you actually did. Um, And you were really nice. And I remembered you. What was really funny is it was my first day as an intern and I had only been in LA for less than 24 hours. I had gotten there the day before it was a Sunday and it was Monday morning. I wore a suit. I wore a suit to General Hospital. Like I had no (laughs) idea. And then I didn't know. So the nice lady, Joan, the receptionist who you probably remember. I do. um, Joan was like, oh honey, you can, you don't have to be so fancy. So she let me like hang my jacket up and I took my vest off. I mean, I had like a three piece suit on, but I had a, I had a tie and nice pants on and you came barreling down a hallway on the fifth floor <laughs> screaming, hold that Vader. And you jumped That's in. That's right. Hold that Vader. <laughs> that sounds like me. And then you said, um, you're like, hi, my name's Crystal. What's yours? And I was holding all these scripts that Joan That's had right. said, go get, get the That's actors right. to sign these. And you stick your hand out and you made me like move all the scripts so I could shake your hand. I'm like, I'm Steve. And you go, hi, Steve. I like your tie. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I don't remember that part. But I remember you had an armload of stuff and I wanted, but I, but I thought you could probably still shake my hand. And I was right. You were. And I hit uh, first floor and we started going down. And do you remember what you did next? No. You go, want to see me do a trick? Oh, no. I did my arm thing. No. You did your – I remember your arm thing, which we'll tell everybody in a second. You did the trick where you jumped up and down on the elevator three times. I was going to say that, but then I thought, nah, that's not what No, that's what you did. (laughs) And what happens for everybody listening, if you've never jumped up and down in an elevator three times while it's going down or up, it drops. It's really fun. You kind of fly for a second. You weigh less. It drops. And then yeah, it catches exactly. itself. Yeah. But and my fun. heart, it's fun, but my heart was in my throat. And I was oh. like, oh my God, I got to the first floor. We come out of the elevator and you go, come with me to the green room. I'll sign those all for you. And I was like, okay. So we go yeah, to the I green made room. It up for, I made it up. You made up for it. And you... Go. Yes, and you signed all the scripts, and Brad Maul walked in, who played uh, Tony, and he walked in, and he got a cup of coffee or something in the green room, because there was all this huge amount. There was always huge amounts of food. That's what I remember about General Hospital. None of it good for you. Well, there was fruit, but the fruit looked terrible. <laughs> but you walk out, and Brad walked over to me, and he sat down, and he just picked up the Sharpie and starts signing, and he says... I'll never forget it. He just looks at you. He watches you go and he's signing. He looks right at me and he goes, watch out for that one. She's, (laughs) she's a hurricane. (laughs) He's a funny guy and kind of accurate. Do you consider yourself a hurricane? (laughs) It's not anything I haven't heard before. My mother used to call me crystal pistol. Uh, yeah, I'm a little chaotic at times and volatile. <laughs> yeah. 
we have done many adventures together over the years, but yeah. the reason why I ask you here today, and I got your permission for this before, so everybody knows um, that this isn't coming at her blindsided. Um, you are living with cancer. I am. How ironic is that? And do you want to tell everybody what you have? I have, well, I can't think of the whole technical bull of it, but I have breast cancer and it's um, pretty advanced. When did you find out you had cancer? Uh, That would have been October of 2020. So this was during the pandemic? Yes. So you had enough on your plate already? Absolutely. And the last thing you wanted to do was have anything to do with a hospital or with problems with your immune system. So those two things were a lot of fun. I got to say, though, it's kind of good time to have cancer and have to be isolated from people and and drop out of life a little bit and handle a lot of uh, medical stuff because nobody was doing anything anyway. It was everybody. It was like everybody had cancer, but not cancer. But everybody had a medical issue where they had to drop out of life and sit alone and deal with crap. So, I think had the whole world been going strong and 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 doing things and taking ground, I would have felt a lot worse than I did. That it was just like, oh well, this is something interesting to do during the pandemic. I guess you know, <laughs> everybody was in the same boat. That's interesting that you went there because I was going to ask you, and again, my listeners listening to this, please don't cringe when I ask this question because you already sort of hit it. What are, what's good about cancer? What, 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 this is why I called you to come on here. What good is there to say about all this? Well, it has you stop. I mean, this is sort of obvious, I guess, and reevaluate what what matters with my time? They accidentally gave me a code uh, and I looked up, actually it said a code and then it said what that was. And I looked up what that was and somebody had turned two of the numbers around for the code. So the thing I'm looking up is not actually what I have. And that thing was a rare cancer that people have between four and 11 months to live. And that moment, <laughs> blood drained from my body. I I was standing up as I was looking at this on my phone, uh, what this cancer was. And it's so interesting because everything slows down and it's almost like you split into two. There's a part of your brain that goes, well, that can't be right. And there's another part going, why are you in denial? You know you have cancer. This is what the code says. And you can hear your own debate in your head in that moment, after I finally sat down and started to breathe again, I thought, oh my God, I don't even have a year to live at best. So, and it's a Friday night. So, I mean, I tried to reach people immediately, but I couldn't reach a doctor. I couldn't reach anybody until Monday. So I live with this for the whole freaking weekend. And I really lined up like what matters to me. So I started um, picking out presents for my daughter's 21st birthday because I wouldn't be there. I started writing cards, you know, 
for future birthdays. Like, um, I only got up to 25 because it was like, this can't be right. <laughs> um, but I started, um, I wrote a letter to my mother, um, uh, to my sister and brothers, uh, sisters and brothers, and thought about, should I, you know, care that it's a pandemic? Should Peter and I go do something, go, go to Cabo, you know, do I want to go? And then I stopped looking at the future and started thinking, what did I not do? Like, how was my life going? Can I die now and be okay with it? And I really was not okay leaving Cali. That one really, really bothered me. But as I looked back, I thought, yeah, I'm okay. I, I had goals in my life. I wanted to act on television in some kind of consistent form where I had some kind of notoriety. I did that. I wanted to help people. Um, and I raised money for the American Cancer Society in my life. And I work as an acting coach and, and help people with their careers daily. And I'm an artist every day because I get to do that as well, which is something that I coveted a lot. Um, and I have a beautiful marriage with somebody who is amazingly patient and supportive and makes my life so easy. And I wanted a daughter. I got a daughter. I have a fun dog. Um, I have a beautiful family with my brothers and sisters and mother and friends. And I have a good relationship with God. And I thought, yeah, okay. So let me set some stuff up for Callie. She was my main, she was my main thought, but it really, I don't think I would have stopped to reevaluate my life. And it's funny the peace I got from that because I realized, um, I like the way I lived. I like who I am. I like how I treat people. Um, I like my friends and my family and I am, I have been grateful for so much in my life. And now I'm just that much more grateful. And blue skies with clouds in them are so beautiful to me now. Green grass uh, is greener. And all of that comes from that um, realizing this could be the last time you look at it without being in pain, you know, where you can really focus on it and not uh, get distracted by what's going on with your body. And then from that wonderful phone call on Monday where they apologized and told me they turned two numbers around. <laughs> and then when they told you, you just have stage three cancer. I said, oh, thank God. And that's that all? That's the first time anybody said, oh, thank God, to you have stage three cancer. <laughs> I'm like, I'll bet. But yeah. And you know, it's so funny because I got a phone call from a friend the other day and he was talking about this beautiful thing he does every morning with meditation and setting a goal and, and, uh, achieving it during the day, trying to concentrate and, and living bigger, trying to live bigger. And I said, Hmm, you know, I probably didn't live as big as I could have. And he goes, yeah, you have it. You need to live bigger. You need to really look and and picture yourself uh, 
further than you could even imagine that you could get in your career and in, in the money you could make. And I said, you know, I kind of don't. I mean, not that I couldn't, not that I think life is over or anything. It's just, why is that so important? I really like where I am and who I am. And up until cancer, I didn't know that. I thought I needed to be more and do more and be bigger, make a bigger difference, be more important. And uh, that's not what matters. And you hear that from people, but there's such an amazing piece in getting that, like getting that for yourself. Yeah, it's finding your own enough. Yeah, well said. And really just being in your your present moment. I want to ask you something. When you got the numbers switched, when they switched the numbers around and you did your, you know, you made the awful mistake as we all do is let me just look this up on Google real quick. What could possibly go wrong? Um, was that when you contacted me? I think so. There was a Friday you contacted me on and we went through all this and I was like, please tell me you did not go on the internet. And you're like, yeah, I went on the internet. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was when. Yes. Well, I'm going to say this right now. First of all, I was so honored that you contacted me because that just made me feel very special that you trusted me and loved me enough to include me in this, um, which it's like the good times and the bad times of friendship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not just like of our friendship, but of your life. So that was very powerful for me. I remember sitting here going, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Hold it together. But you were the right person for so many reasons. Well, I was going to ask you this, because do you remember I said to you one thing, which is I asked you to please don't live this alone for the weekend. Please promise me you'll at least tell your husband. You did. You did. And did you? Eventually. Okay. (laughs) I waited quite a while. I I just didn't want to lay this on him, but, and and I hadn't done it alone because I had called you. And you are, you know, you're, you're good at not falling apart and you find the humor in things. And so I knew you were the right person to call. Plus we've had such a long relationship together. So you know me well, and we did so much work for the American Cancer Society. And I thought that that was kind of ironic. Oh yeah. And you know my relationship with cancer with my dad and all of that. And you have a relationship with cancer with your dad. Right. You were just the right person to call. And I knew I could share this and and that you would have a profound understanding of it, but you wouldn't become too profound on the phone. You would be funny. Well, also I'm one of the few people who you're one of the few people and I'm one of the few people who, if I call or you call me, we answer. Usually. (laughs) And maybe a lot of the times there'll be one of us going, I can't talk right now, but let me call you back in five minutes. (laughs) Like so many times I call you and you're like, I'm, I'm in the middle of an audition. I'm doing a thing. You know, I'm, I'm coaching somebody right now. Let me call you back in 10 minutes. (laughs) So yeah, there, there is something interesting there. It's like, um, it's like a trust thing. What did Peter say, your husband, what did he say when you told him what you thought it was? And then what was his reaction when you found out what it really is? 
he didn't want to go there. So he said, you don't know that's what it is. So let's just wait uh, and talk to somebody who can really tell you the truth. And then he changed the subject. You know, crystals look shiny. He he did not want to go there. You're like a cat with a laser light. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But he did... He did make me a really nice meal. So that was good. And we went on a really good walk. So I think he, you know, I think he was doing little things to support me without saying that. Right. Yeah. But, you know, in some weird way, kind of like that movie uh, with Queen Latifah, the (laughs) what's it called? The holiday gift or something or other, where she finds (laughs) out she thinks she's dying and she just takes the craziest trip of her life. I never seen that movie, but you should watch that movie because I watched that movie. It's a Christmas movie, and I like cried at the end because she wasn't dying the whole time. They they oh, wow. they messed it up. But but what an amazingly wonderful gift. Yeah, that is how I felt actually when when I was pronounced that I would live past eleven months. <laughs> I remember thinking. Wow, now I know what it's like, though, to be told. I mean, I didn't fully, fully buy it, but I don't think you fully, fully buy it, even when they tell you it's true. You know, you have to go through all those stages of grief. You have to go through denial. Um, And I thought, wow, I have now gotten to experience what that's like to be told you only have a few months to live. And I get to live (laughs) past what they told me. Right. And I remember too thinking this really changes a lot about my thinking. You know, I've coached a lot of people who were doing a movie where they had cancer. And the way I did that was really derivative of all the other movies of people with cancer that I'd seen, which are typical, so typical, so boring. And so many, uh, like even like the experience of reading it, uh, I would have thought, I would have thought that, you know, you faint or you, or you burst into tears or you, you know, have to sit down immediately. But I stood there for the longest time and I could feel so, like I said, there was like two people in my head and one of them was, um, very positive and one of them was trying to be realistic. And the positive one started laughing. I mean, it was sort of like, oh my God, of course this would happen to you. You know, it was so like, this is ridiculous. This is absurd. So I was actually kind of laughing about it. But then the, uh, you know, the other shoe would drop and I would go, this is not funny. You should take this seriously. You only have a limited amount of time. Don't waste it, you know, being in denial. Let's go. Let's make, let's prepare. Oh, I started looking for caskets. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the things I thought, oh, I don't want Pete to have to do that. I don't, I don't want my mom to have to do that. So yeah, you know, uh, I would, I didn't realize that that would happen to me. And then as I was standing there too, I thought, it ran through my head. Hey, this is weird. This is not the way I would coach this. Why, why am I being so weird? Why aren't I sitting down? And then, <laughs> and then I was, realized, 
wow, all the blood feels like it's drained from my head. That wouldn't have occurred to me. And yet I'm still standing. Shouldn't I faint if that happens? Oh, I'm tingly all over. Oh, I wouldn't have known that would have happened. I should probably sit down. Like I, I was fascinated by the whole thing too, as it as my body and mind were experiencing it. Why am I telling you this right now? I don't know. Well, because it's what you do for a living. It's what your passion is. It's where you were your whole your whole being in life as a creative person. And then you're suddenly, the brakes get hit and it's it's possibly your left brain, right brain. It's possibly your conscious, subconscious. It's possibly, to make it simple, your head and your heart and your gut. I mean, I'm sure your gut too was just like in there too. Like, okay, <laughs> what is my gut saying right now? <laughs> Let's talk about today and where you are at today. Where are you at with your treatments right now? Um, I have the world's most expensive haircut. Uh, my hair all fell out from chemotherapy, which is costly. And uh, it's about an inch long now. It's coming in salt and pepper, crazy platinum gray color, which is insane. <laughs> and curly, my hair has always been stick straight. Oh my God. Because I, I saw you with one of the shots, pictures of you super short, and I loved it. Like I love the color, but curly, that's awesome. Yeah. It's just starting. My mother loves it. I'm not so sure. I'm going to look like somebody's grandmother with curly gray hair. Awful. <laughs> I do right now sort of look like my grandfather. I think we have the same haircut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, you know, but it's fun because I don't have to do anything. I don't even have to wash it. I mean, <laughs> it's so nothing. I don't have to brush it. I don't have to think about it. So pretty soon it's going to start doing silly stuff though. I'm, I'm sure I have cow licks all over and it'll be very attractive. Um, I've gone through the surgery, first surgery. I've gone through, and I say first surgery because they're asking me uh, to come back and do a, a double mastectomy, which I have an appointment next week to talk to a, a surgeon about. I just don't know about that one. But anyway, I've gone through chemotherapy, um, radiation, and started endocrinology therapy, mm -hmm. which is a hormone therapy. I've gone through menopause, but now apparently you have fat and fat also has um, estrogen in it. And so this is pulling that estrogen out of me. So I'm going through a second menopause, which is fun, <laughs> uh, a little irritating, and I'm a little irritable. Um, I have hot flashes and all that silliness. Can't sleep. Um but that'll go away in about three months, they say. And that that drug also causes muscle pain and joint pain. And it causes, is that the one that causes your cholesterol to go up? I'm going to say that's the one that makes your cholesterol go up. It could be this other one I'm on. But one of them like tends to skyrocket cholesterol. Well, I have really high cholesterol anyway. And I've been on every cholesterol medicine there is and had so much pain from it, uh, that it was like having a really bad flu, just achy. And so I had gone off after um, years of trying different ones for three months at a time, and they would tell me that it would get better, and it just did not get better. Um, I quit taking them and, you know, tried to do 
all kinds of holistic stuff and dietary stuff and nothing was working. And now the doctor was like, I promise you, you won't die of cancer if you don't go on cholesterol medicine. You'll die of a heart attack. <laughs> like right. that was going in the right direction till that last little phrase there. Um, so I went on the cholesterol medicine. So I hurt from that and I hurt from the the hormone medicine, letrozole. And they tell me that that's good. So I'm on Tylenol. I, I sit in front of a red light every day, which helps with pain, uh, infrared light and red light. And I drink a lot of water and I go on walks to the degree that I can walk. I, he should see me. I walk like a little old lady. I mean, I just, everything hurts. I can't move my hips right and stuff. It's stupid, but I walk and, uh, it, it's, hopefully helping. I do. Oh, yoga. That's the other thing. And, um, I'm supposed to start transcendental meditation now, but it's supposed <laughs> to help with the pain. So we'll see. And then I'm taking, I'm also on this new thing as of October. It was just, um, October. Yes. It was approved by the FDA, but my doctor put me on it before it was approved because um, City of she was part of the researchers that was that did it at City of Hope, and she said this is this is going to be approved and it's amazing and we're putting you on it. So the first one I just told you about I have to do for ten years. Wow, horrible, horrible, and so that's why it's like oh my god, and and of course cholesterol for the rest of my life. So they so it just has to stop hurting because I can't I really can't fathom what that would be like to, to be like, I feel right now, uh, for, for even one year, it's hard. It's real hard. And, uh, and they, you know, you, they, they tell you, Oh, you know, radiation, Oh, your hair, you know, chemo, your hair falls out and everybody brings you soup and calls you and people send flowers and are wonderful. And that makes it so easy. And plus there's like, okay, you're going to have 30, chemo treatments and you're going to have whatever, eight weeks of radiation. There's an end point that's not right. that far off. Right. And then you get done and you think, ha, I did it. Cancer beat you. Ha. Oh my God. No, that's not the hard part. That's all a walk in the park. So every movie you've ever seen, wrong, 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 wrong. This is the hard part. Everybody goes, oh, good, you're done. Are you going to start teaching classes? Are you going to be ready to coach me? Are you going to, can I Can I come over at 9 o'clock at night and be put on tape? No, I'm asleep by 6.30. I can't, the pain wears me out. About 3 o'clock, I start to get tired. By 6 o'clock, I got to eat something and get to bed. It's crazy how hard this is. But no, this is not what you're told is hard. So people don't are very confused. Why? Why? You're done, right? So this, this new thing, it's a gene targeting therapy, which sounds very high tech, doesn't it? <laughs> it goes in and finds some gene that causes your cells to turn over. And your cancer cells um, turn over faster than all your other cells. So this causes cancer to slow down and hopefully even stop because you're also draining it of food because it lives off, mine lives off estrogen and 
to some degree sugar. So if you starve it of estrogen and you slow down the the cell turnover, um, it weakens it a lot, and then your immune system kicks in, and hopefully you you, you kill it. And and is there even any, anything even to kill? I'll I'll answer that in a moment. But so I'm on this gene targeting therapy that targets that gene. The only trouble is, is it can't distinguish between that cancer cell turning over and any other cell in your body turning over. Right. Like hair cells turn over faster. So I am growing my hair back. But now that I've started this, my doctor tells me that my hair could all fall out again. Yay. Um, and when you, like when I walk, you use your muscles to do that. To some degree, they break down when you use them. And and to some degree, every cell in your body is breaking down every day and you're supposed to be making new ones. So that's why I guess I'm exhausted because my body can't keep up. It just can't keep up. It needs extra sleep. When you sleep, you rebuild. And so it's, it's uh, so I get a lot, of, I, I try to get a lot of sleep. I lay there for a while uh, because the, the hormone stuff, you know, this menopause thing wakes you up and wakes you up, makes it hard to sleep because you hurt too. So I take Tylenol and all that. But this lovely gene therapy gives you explosive diarrhea. Oh, great. And don't drink coffee. Right. Because the coffee is going to make, right? I'm sorry. Life without coffee? (laughs) Are you insane? Look, I'm the person, I am the person who, I used to joke about this. When I would get a really bad flu and I'd uh-huh. be throwing up anyway, I would just order yeah. a pizza because I might there as well just go. enjoy the pizza and throw it up. Everyone be like, eat. No, no, it's the brat diet. Have a banana, rice, applesauce, right. you know, tea right. or what a toast. And I'd be like, fuck you. I'm eating a pepperoni pizza because it's coming back up anyway. I'm having a full on cheesecake. Exactly. The whole thing. So you're just down in coffee because who cares? <laughs> Here's my wrap-up question, and then I'm going to ask you three questions I ask every guest of mine. What would you tell 18, 17-year-old Crystal if you could talk to her? I would tell her that you didn't miss that day in school when they handed out confidence. Nobody has any, and everybody is faking it, and... Do it anyway. You know, be afraid and do it anyway. That's what being brave is. That's what being a hero is. There was always this sort of sense that why why is everybody else unafraid to do these things I wish I wasn't afraid to do? But I think they were. And if I had known that they were, I think I would have I would have spoken up more uh, with you know in class with my short stories i would have um, asked more questions in spanish class that i was embarrassed to ask i would have asked this boy out that i really liked yeah i would have not dated this other kid that i didn't like but i wanted to feel like somebody liked me lots of things like that i would have stood up when um when guys wanted to go too far I would have done things that I felt that because I was afraid, 
um, I, I, I thought I couldn't do because I thought if I could do them, I wouldn't be so afraid. And it's now looking back at almost 60 years old, good God, um, I realized that everybody's afraid. Everybody is. They don't know anything. I didn't miss some day, you know, that God passed out more smarts or or more confidence or and I would also tell myself I'm not that fat. <laughs> when I look at pictures of me now I'm like, "Oh my god, I looked great. Why didn't I know I looked great?" When I looked great. So many of my women friends. So many of my women friends. <laughs> I swear to God, back in my 20s and 30s and 40s, and I used to tell all of you how gorgeous you were and how perfect you were. And you're like, okay, whatever, mm-hmm. gay guy. Um, and yeah. and then and then so many of them have said the same thing of just seeing a picture of themselves from 25 years ago and saying, I yeah. wish, I wish I could look at myself now. Then the way I look at myself now, you know, and how I'm looking at the picture. Right. Where do people find you online to follow you? Crystalcarson.com. Oh, that was easy. Perfect. Last two questions, how we end every show. It can go back to anything we've already talked about, anything you want to share. Question number one, who inspires you? You. Come on. Give me a better answer than that. You are very inspiring, Steve Silverman. Well, thank you. And as I say to all my guests who say it, I'll Venmo you the cash. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh, so I'm not the only one. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Let me tell you really quickly who said it too is Mary Weiss, who we both yay! know. That's hilarious because we have that connection. Okay, keep going. Who yeah, inspires yeah, yeah. you? Meryl Streep. Is that so horrible? No. She absolutely inspires me. She is political without being in your face. She is a, a superstar without being a super snot. She is funny and human and tragic and vulnerable and strong and scared and confident. And she she is 100% um, committed to to truthfulness and in sharing her humanity to make the world a better place. And that inspires me. And the final question I ask every guest is very simple. It's not even a question. Mm. Simple. Tell me something good. They don't know if I have any cancer right now Um, because it went through 21 lymph nodes. It could be in my bloodstream. And then it could find its way to another part of my body and start making cancer tumors again. But they don't know. And I just have a sense that it isn't. I think even though I'm doing all of these drugs, um, which are to stop those tumors from forming, I think I'm doing them for no reason because I think I don't have cancer anymore. I think it's gone. And I think that's good news. Thank you, Crystal, for sharing your good. After we recorded, I sent Crystal a box filled with items to concoct the best vegan protein shake ever. We can now add Shake Buddies to our long list of adventures together. 
next time on World Gone Good. I felt like we were these weird little cute, charming rock stars during the pandemic because people were so charmed by our story. Whether or not that meant they could, we could either activate them to help, give us money, spread the word, help drive stuff around. You know, it was effective and it was basically a movement. And what a movement it has become. Christina Wong is an artist, an actress, a writer, a teacher, a politician, and an activist. When the pandemic hit, she saw a need in her community, so she took action. And the anti-sewing squad was born. From it came hundreds of thousands of homemade masks, a book, and now an off-Broadway show. If you need some inspiration to take action in your own life, Christina is the role model to look to. I cannot wait for you to hear her share her journey with us. Until then, be good.